I'm just telling you, a, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. And this is what I want to tell you. A doctrine that cannot be tested is a doctrine that cannot be trusted. And it is my responsibility to indoctrinate you with the, with the word of God. And as I said last week, isn't it amazing that we pursue an invisible God and an invisible spirit, but we shun from a visible word of God. And I would say that the percentages in most churches today that they're pursuing an invisible God and they're pursuing an invisible spirit, but yet their knowledge of the word of God is very dim and very minor. There's problems with that. Because this is what I'll say to you as Jesus said to them, you won't always have me. Now that's not a threat or a promise. But like I told you last week, I, I really don't know how to make a church grow. I, I'm not on committees. I don't know how to do anything. We don't have committees. We don't have anything. But if, if, if you really want to unfold the layers of the scriptures, I'm your God. And this is what this is about. The days are coming, if we're not careful, the days are coming that we really, really need to examine really where our heart is and, and who holds your heart. And uh, so a few weeks ago, we began this Psalms 107, verse 23. We're going to kind of get back off into the grace business, but I, I, took a, I took a left turn. And it says, they that go down into the ships in the sea, that they do business in great waters, so we're telling you there are four ships, and the idea of this is this, that the deeper the waters, the larger the boat is required. So the first ship, in 1975 or 76, the original Jaws movie came out. That seems like 100 years ago. Who was not born yet in 1975 or 1976? Oh, my God. <laughs> I just popped another gray hair. I mean... So in 1975 or 76, whenever Jaws came out, it had the car, the 75 Carmack 5 over here by the Valero station, and that's where it was at. And, and it, was so, it was so packed that the fire marshals just let people in. Just let people in. I mean, just let them in. We were sitting in the floors, really. We, we were sitting in the aisles and the floors because people just stand in line to get in and see it. And I told you one time, I'll never forget, I was about three quarters in the back, and I was the guy in the aisle, of course, and uh, there's a scene where the first time that Chief Brody is chumming the waters. And he's chumming the waters and they're having a casual conversation. And you know the scene, they're taking a picture from the top looking down and all of a sudden this thing about 26 feet long comes up out of the water. And at that moment, when you, the first time that we got to see the shark there was 10,000 boxes of popcorn and soda hit the ceiling. Really? The setting where I had a back row seat, the setting where I said, I mean, it scared them so dead. They just went, ah, and whatever. They went. Three, three children were in the air at one time. Their parents were throwing kids up. And, and, and what immortal words does he have to say? We need a bigger boat. So the first one we talked about was workmanship, poema, poetry. 
Ephesians 2, 10. We are the workmanship of God, which is poema, God's expression. And we show the inner tube. This is just you and Jesus. Life is good. It's just me and Jesus and don't bother us. The waters are calm. Everything's perfect. But I'll tell you, that's God wants to take you into deeper waters. But as you get ready to go in deeper waters, you're going to need a, a bigger vessel than that. So then we moved into fellowship. And fellowship was this, Acts 2 and 42. They continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. Acts 2 and 42. We found out this is two men on a kayak. Now we have double the horsepower. It's a bigger vessel. We can go places we could not go on an inner tube. And I'm still trying to get my wife to go on that kayak whale search in Alaska, but I haven't talked her into it yet. No. So we talked about fellowship. And last week we talked about having fellowship with one another is not enough. If you come here looking for fellowship, you'll find it, but you're coming for the wrong reasons. I want to say that loud and clear. People come to church because that we want, we want to be around people that look like us and act like us. And, and I understand that. We're not in the cloning business here. But the, the, the importance is fellowship with Christ. And if you're not, then I have failed. And if I'm not getting you connected to Christ, then I need to retire and let somebody else pursue this message to you. Because friends will leave you, family will forsake you, but I'm trying to get you connected to the one that will never leave you nor forsake you. Christ. So we went to a lot of trouble last week about fellowship with Christ. Now then we're going to go to a bigger boat. Discipleship. You'll have to give me about two weeks on this one. Discipleship is found. Let's show the picture if we can real quick. Oh, baby. Now then we got a crew of guys. Now that it's just not you in the inner tube and, and you and your buddy kayaking, now then we, we've got a plan. This is called, referred to as teamwork. John chapter 8, verse 31, beginning with, it says this, if you continue my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And some of you know this, but the word continued is where we get a word for prosk, and prosk means to be addicted to heroin or opium. Heroin and opium is not nothing new today. They grew it in Afghanistan 2,000 years ago. So Jesus takes this word and he uses it so wonderful. He's not talking somebody can come in and out of church. I can go or I don't go. It doesn't matter. Oh, I'll go this Sunday and I'll skip the next nine Sundays. That's not what this is talking about. To be addicted to opium or heroin is that I will not make it today if I don't get a fix. If I don't get a word from God today, I may not survive. Whether you're there or not, I'm giving you the actual definition. People that are, are in rehab, the first day they got the shakes. They, they, they're irritable. They're, they're grumpy. They're fidgety. They got ADD. They got all this stuff and all the other alphabetic letters. 
because they're, 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 they're coming down off something they're addicted to. Wouldn't it be so wonderful that, that some of you are so miserable and so agitated and you're so aggravated? And the answer is, it's not really you. It's because you haven't heard from God today. And if I don't hear from his word today, I may get a little cranky. You let me miss two or three services. Oh, I may, I may be a booger bear. That's why I come every week. If you continue in my word, you'll be my disciple. Discipleship this morning, it speaks about teamwork, togetherness, unity. These men are, are, are in a sense of teamwork. They've learned to, to row together. They learned to row in sync. They learn to row in unity. They learn to row in harmony. And if they're going to win whatever competition that they're in, they're not out there for a stroll. They're in there in a competitive sport. There's somebody in the background going, row, row, you know, whatever they're doing. And it's keeping them in sync. Discipleship is these men that have surrendered their own will and their own ability and their own thoughts to come into a spirit of togetherness and unity that we can go places in this vehicle that we cannot go in an inner tube or a two-man kayak. And we're going to get there faster. You need one another. But you need that person to be in agreement with the Word of God. Because we're going to talk about this morning, what it's like, whether this morning or next week, you may not want to show up if you're causing problems at the church. You may want to stay home on that one. <laughs> but discipleship is a bigger vessel. And discipleship will require discipline. Discipline. Remember what I told you, our witness, W-I-T-H, will validate our witness. One of the biggest problems in the churches is that, that we are trying to say that we all get along and we're not getting along. Now, if there's doctrinal problems, I combat false doctrines and the spirit of goofiness. You know that. If, if it's not lined up to the word of God, I'll contest it till the day I die, period. So what happens is, is that this witness together it will validate our witness. And wherever we go, that we will show the world, as Jesus said in John 17, that they will know that you are one of mine because you love one another. Now, that was behind closed doors. So, so, so this morning, we're going to talk about something that some of you already know, but we're going, to, we're going to cover some ground because some of you don't know it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. We're going to talk about discipleship. And Jesus said, again, I say unto you. The reason why he said, again, I say unto you, because he said it and they weren't listening. Anybody raise children besides me? <laughs> and normally they don't get it the first time, the second time, the third time. So he said, I'm going to tell you again. The two of you shall agree on earth is touching anything that they shall ask that it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Now, we're not going to get off into the, 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 the mechanics of this because here's the deal. That God will give you whatever you ask as long as it's his will. And if you think you're going to twist God's arm into doing something that, that he don't want to do or doesn't best for your future, he's not going to do that. So, 
somewhere we get into the mindset and the will of God. We, we, we get in fellowship with God. We get in, 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 in workmanship with God. And now we're in discipleship with God. We're working with God. And I found that in John chapter 15, that he's the husband and I'm the, Christ is the, is the vine and I'm branches. And he says, ask whatever you want to and you shall have it. That word ask doesn't mean a verbal petition. It means that by the Greek says, whatever that you need, God will give it to you. You don't even have to ask. My grandson, Buster, right there. Hold him up. I've never, how old is he? I've never had him say, Papa, I need a diaper change. Come here. <laughs> I've never had him say, Papa, I really could use another bowl of oatmeal. He doesn't say anything. But yet I provide for him or his mother provides for him or his grandmother provides for him without even asking. So pay attention. The Bible is only filled with two things. Two things only. Motive and children. And you can take the rest of it and you can throw it out the back seat of the pickup truck. Motive and children. And the reason why we'll, we'll bypass motive, but the reason why children need POS is so important is because this, that's an EPOS. He can't say anything. He can defend himself. He doesn't even know what he wants. So what happens is we become children unto God and say, God, we don't even know what we need. And if we got what we want, it would ruin us. So we are completely dependent upon you to provide all of our needs. You know what I need. So there's no sense me wasting my time begging and pleading and, 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 and all that stuff. You know what I need. I am your child. And God said, I will take care of you whether you ask for it or not. Because there's laws against parents that won't take care of the children. They'll arrest you for neglecting a child. And why would you think the Bible, Jesus said, if my father, if every bird that falls to the ground, that's not dying, falling to the ground, it means provision of food. If every bird that falls to the ground that my father sees it, do you not think you're more important than the bird? Falling to the ground is not dying. Ronnie Henson got it wrong. Falling to the ground is that there's food on the ground and the bird comes down. God is the provider of the the, the seed for the birds. If he'll provide for the birds, he'll provide for us. So do, do I waste my time begging and pleading and fasting? I do not. I do not. Now, that, that, may, that may shock some of you. I don't. You know why? I just trust God. That's it. And so do I have ups and downs? Yes. Do I have dip, disappointments and daily problems? Yes. Do I have a church full of people that gives me static? Oh, baby. <laughs> but God knows. The word, this word agree is called symphonio. The word sum is together or alongside and beside. And phonio is where we get a word for sound. Symphonio, to make sounds besides someone else. It's a classical Greek word that means a symphony. A symphony. Jesus said, if just two of you will agree, if two of you will get in harmony, if two of you will just get together, 
wonderful things will come. It's, a, it's, it's more than just noises. It is a, a proper blending of notes and shapes and musical notes. It's songs. It's melodies. So the, the, the case in point here this morning is that I could, I could get the band members and I'd say, hey, let's play a song. Let's jump up here and play a song. And they go, we're in. Let's go. So I'm going to play Amazing Grace in G. Danny's playing When We All Get to Heaven in F. Mike Spells is playing When the Road is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There in R flat. <laughs> Brian's playing that, that We Shall Be Holding in A. And Scott's back there playing Sweet Home Alabama. I mean, we all got, we all got different songs, different keys. And, and if you could hear that going on, it, you would think, what a, a wreck. It's a shipwreck. You see, we're not just talking about making sounds. We're talking about getting in the same key, playing the same song in the same beat. And when you understand this, this, this symphony, it means by definition that many people in an orchestra Symphonera has everything to do. It's a multitude of people with different talents and different instruments and all these things, but they're coming together, playing the same song, the same beat, the same timing, the same key, and it's a symphony. This verse is known as the great equalizer in the New Testament, if you don't know this. It's the great equalizer, some frames it. That means this. It's the blending of our hearts and our minds and our talents together. The rich and the poor. The new convert and the old seasoned saint. The educated and the uneducated. Whether you're a Sooner fan or a Texas Longhorn fan, sorry about that, we can all come together Watch this. We all come together as a symphony, having different likes and dislikes and talents and giftings, and we can all come together with one common purpose, and that is to worship Christ the King. I don't care about your church doctrine. I don't care anything about the 16 fundamentals of truth of the of God. I don't care about your Southern Baptist, water baptism, and all the mechanics that you have to go through. I could care less any about that. None of that that could save me. There's only one that could save me, and that's Christ my King. Amen. Amen. And so when you come here, that I understand that you, you, you do a few things, and you play a few things, and we're glad you're here, but I'm the guy who will tell you, hey, what are you playing? What are you doing over there? Well, I was raised, I don't care what you was raised in that church. I'm telling you, we're not glorifying a man-made doctrine, the tradition of men or the addition of men. We're talking about God in his glory, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Christ crucified, resurrected, interceding for us on, on a daily basis. That's where our concept, and if we will come in Sufanera, what's that? With that, it doesn't matter what background you come from. We can, we can have a symphony here of music that is music to God's ears. So here, here's Calvary. In simple terms, we got a lot of people that does different things. Catherine, 
She's in charge of praise and worship. She does a good job. Other people help her. But she's in, that's her responsibility, music team. Brother AJ, he's in charge of the youth department. He teaches Sunday school class and he does different things. His wife joins Sunday school class. Brother Neil, he's in charge of Sunday school. Don Dixon, he's our men's chaplain, does a great job. Virgil, he's the leader of the men's department. That's why we're in the shape we're in. <laughs> the ladies, they kind of rotate leaders and I don't know what they do in there. I'm not allowed in there. The children's church department, Michelle takes them, Miss Rachel, Miss Esther, Miss Arlene, she's not here today. That's what they do. Communion sacraments is Joe and Candy again. They make sure that we have communion sacraments every Sunday. Our door greeter is Philip Norton. Does a great job. Our music team, they do a great job. And for all of you that come and financially give and support to make sure that this divine motor and this engine continues forward, thank you. It's very possible that we can come from different backgrounds and walks of, of society and come under the one umbrella that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we're going to follow the scriptures in content and context. And if you got the spirit of goofiness here, you won't last here long. You won't like me. But if all you want to do is love Christ with all your heart and learn to love one another and walk in truth, you're in the right place. Amen. You are. That's one that Jesus said in Matthew 28. He said, go into the world and, and teach all nations. The word teach is matatuo. It means to bulldoze, bulldoze down nations, ethnos, ethnic backgrounds. We don't care if you're Baptist, Presbyterian, Assembly of God, Church of God. We don't care. We're going to bulldoze all that down. We're going to bulldoze it down, whether you like it or not. And then once we level that down of, of your old denominational doctrine, then we're going to start teaching the principles and the building blocks of who Christ is. And we're going to be followers of him. And just like this rowboat, we're going to get together. We're going to have unity. We're going to have togetherness. And if we can get together, we can, we can go further places quicker than when we could on our own in an inner two. So how is this possible? How is this possible? Now, well, I will tell you this morning that it is possible to make this work, but it's not going to come by accident at all. It's going to come by effort. So this is how this works. We're, I'll tell you about me. We're not going to live in a make-believe church setting. Right. Right. I'm not. I'm not going to look at you and say, oh, everything will get better, because it probably won't. I'm just asking you to dig a little deeper and get a hold. Okay? So how's this going to be possible? And here's the answer. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised his shame, and is set down on the right hand of the of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, this word called archaos, which is architect and finisher. Teleos is the finisher. Jesus is the architect of our faith and he's the finisher of our faith yeah. from beginning to end. Not only does he design our calling, but he helps complete it. I'm glad for that. Yes. I'm glad at the altar when I got saved, he didn't say, okay, Ham, you're on your own. I'm glad he did not do that. Looking unto Jesus. Aphorio is a word. Aphorio is the word. Looking unto Jesus. 
Aphorio is a classical Greek word that was used on stage in theaters. It means to look attentively at. Matter of fact, one of the writers talks about it. It's a proper gaze of my heart. Frankie Valley says, I can't take my eyes off you. It's to look attentively at looking unto Jesus. So what in the world does that mean? And this is all it means. It's a Greek word that means a conductor in an orchestra. Looking unto Jesus. A forio was a noun that meant a conductor in an orchestra. So we have a symphony in Matthew. Now then we have a conductor of the symphony. Because here, I want to say this to you, pay attention. Musicians without a conductor can turn out to be chaotic. So my son back there, Jordan, was all state three out of four years in high school. I don't think he was his freshman year, but his sophomore, junior, and senior year, he was all state. He played in Southeastern Band for two years. He got all scholarships, and the University of Oklahoma wanted him. And he decided not to go. And I haven't spoken to him since. <laughs> that's why I'm way up here, and that's why he's way back there. He wanted to get married and have wonderful kids. I figure that. But I'll never forget, it was not only just the marching band, but they had a symphonic band. So there was probably 100 or 150 in the band, but they took about 30 or 40 of the best ones in their symphonic bands. And so he was part of that French horn. So Galen and I, we go over there. It's pretty, it's pretty high dollar deal. I think there was a, a lunch involved. I said, I'm in. I've heard the boy play for four years, but if there's free lunch, I'm in. <laughs> so we go to Southeastern over in Duran or Bryan County. A lot of people there packed. I don't know how many was there, a lot. And, and all the kids, you know, all the kids are on stage and we're sitting down and the lights are dim and they're all up there. You know what they do? And, and they, got, they got horns and violins and they got it all going on. Sounds like, it sounds like daycare at 7.30 in the morning. Kids throwing plays and screaming and hollering. And, and I mean, it's, they're tuning up what they're doing. They're just, they're, I don't know what they're doing. And that goes on for about five or 10 minutes until finally a guy walks out in a penguin suit with stick in hand. And now I know why he's got a stick in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. And when that guy walks out, everything gets quiet. I mean, it gets graveyard quiet. No more horsing around, no more blowing your own horn. They're not looking at their fingernails. They're not trying to put on makeup with a mirror. They're looking at this guy that's a conductor and they're not moving. And that goes on for about a few seconds until he lifts up his baton and he points over here to the piccolo section and somebody stands up and they play something very light and easy and then he gives one of these numbers and then the tuba, you know them tuba players, they got a buddy and he goes, no, no, no. <laughs> you know what he's doing? He's conducting a symphony. Pay attention to me. 
We all have talents and we all have giftings. But you need to get rid of the fact that you need to be doing something all the time. It's called a ball hog. You ever played softball with somebody and the left fielder was third baseman, second baseman, and catcher, and he was at all. They're ball hogs. Some of you are felt guilty because God has got you a place that even though you have a wonderful instrument, whether it be teaching or singing or, or shaking hands or greeting the back door, that some of you feel guilty. Well, I'm not doing anything. Maybe it's because it's not your season to do something yet. Well, I'm changing churches. Well, change. Well, if I can't be doing something all the time, I'm going to go down the street. I'll give you a road map. You'll be back. Sometimes in this orchestra of your giftings and talents and whatever you may do, there are times that the Holy Spirit, and here's the key, looking unto Jesus because if you're looking unto him, you don't have the right to look at somebody and say, oh, well, he's playing, then I, I, I better do something. That's not the way it works. Sometimes in life, we go through seasons where God doesn't even call on you for a while. Don't feel guilty. You're still needed. And all you tuba players, we'll get to you. And you just got that one no. It's a great note, but we don't need it on certain songs. <laughs> this is how we can get along. Here's the deal. Looking unto Jesus, I'm, we are attentively looking at him. And I got all this nonsense of people coming in and people going out and people want to do their own thing. Well, go do your own thing. I, I'm, I'm looking at Christ. And then what's going to happen? You being in a frame of mind of discipleship, you're just saying this going down the road. Lord, I don't know what I, you call me to do. Every door I try to go through is shut. My heart burns to do something. I got a, I got a tube in hand and I got a lot of air, but you haven't given me the okay and I'm frustrated, but I'll just learn to wait. And somewhere at the right moment, at the right time, the Holy Spirit will say, why don't you just go over there and talk to that lady whose head is in her hands? Why don't you just buy that gentleman a hamburger? Why don't you just be sure to remind the guy that meets you when you enter the door? Won't you be sure to remind him how important that is to be greeted by someone that's friendly, not like you're trespassing here? It's a joke. Don Epler and his wife, they tried to come here three times and the front doors was locked. Really? <laughs> three times they tried to get in and evidently we didn't unlock the door. And, and he said, I don't know what they're doing in there, but I'm going to keep coming back till I get in. <laughs> We're glad you got in. Amen. You see that the Holy Spirit of God through Christ, sometimes that you don't have to be doing anything to be a part of the orchestra of God. Sometimes you just need to get your mind rested. Because here's the deal. If we can get your mind to be at rest, the day is going to come in my life where my brains are being beat out. I might need one of us to have a, some common sense. 
So what has God called you to do? Some of you say, well, this is my calling and this is my gifting. Well, that's, that may be what you do, but don't get anxious to jump up and stomp out or get anxious to do something. You're part of the symphony of God. Here's the key. Quit looking at other people. Look at the conductor. And if, and if he doesn't give me the nod, I'm good. I'll still keep showing up. I'll still encourage you and loving you. And when you play, I'm going to give you a wink like, good job. Beautiful. I was raised in a church that if you wasn't doing something all the time, they made you feel guilty. And I'm not going to do that to you. So the end result of discipleship is this. You've seen me do this. I'll finish it next week. What is the end result of discipleship? There has to be an end result. And there has to be more than just us getting along and, and us in agreement. There has to be a, a, a level that we, we reach that absolutely that, with, that God designed the thing. And it's found in Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. And they, which is the disciples, apostles, and the first church, they continued in one accord. This word one accord is not a car, it's called homo thumadon. Homo is the same, thumadon is mindset. They got in the same mindset. It's amazing. In about four more chapters, they got out of the mindset and it all come apart. For you that are good Bible students, Acts chapter five, it begins to unravel over Grecian women and Jewish women not getting enough attention. That's what it started. But at this period of time, they were in one mindset and they went to the temple breaking bread from house to house and they did eat with meat with gladness and singleness of heart, verse 47, and they praised God having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church such as being saved. The word added to the church as being saved is one of the most powerful words that I've ever learned 20 years ago. First it started out, I getting saved, and then I got in fellowship with Danny DeVore. And then I got in fellowship with Brother Tom. And then I got in fellowship with Boyette. Well, I, I regret that. I'm going to put that back. I got in fellowship. And before long, that, that we've, had a, we've, we've had a wonderful gathering of people. The word added. So you get the word added to the fact of multiplied. Added. Like adding. Oh, yeah. We, we got that one. And we got that one. And we got that one. And we added that one. And we added that one. Oh, we got that one. And we're glad that one left. But we got that one. And, and so we got them all in the bag, but the problem is when you, when you understand this word adding does not mean just addition. Because once trials hit, they all went their own way. 
Well, I'm smarter than him. Well, I'm not arguing with that. I'm more talented than him. Probably so. I'm better in looking than that guy. I'm 100%. And if you're not careful, we wind up as a church scattered. The Greek lexicon says, and the Lord added or joined or connected those that were being saved. So what does that mean? You can still be an individual like this grape. But the word added means together. These grapes are all individual grapes, but the difference they have difference between these ping pong balls is the balls are not connected. The grapes are connected. The reason why you're here this morning and you've been coming for the last few weeks, months or years is not necessarily to add you to the number of the church membership. Because if that's all it is, when a little trials hit, you're going to go your own way. Fleetwood Mac got that right. The Lord added those that were being saved. The Lord connected those that were being saved. The Lord annexed those that were being saved to the point where it's no longer individual that are scattered, that we are individual, but we are one. Discipleship, that if you continue my word, you will be my disciple. You'll be connected. You'll be a part. You don't have to lose your individuality here. But there's something that connects us together, and that is the love of God that connects us together to a point where what we have different than most people is this, is that we're connected by the Holy Spirit. That's my job. My job is to pursue you to the fact that it's no longer enough just to come to church. It's not just enough to show up. So is it possible to have a multitude of people with different colors and likes and dislikes and, and backgrounds and beliefs and education and rich and poor? Is it possible for we could come together? And the answer is yes. As we look unto the conductor and as we continue to look unto Jesus, our conductor, something magical happens. We're being connected. And I pray if this is your first time or your thousandth time to this church, this is the, this is the end result of discipleship growing in him. He is the vine. We are the fruit. And he says, glorify my father by bearing fruit. For every one of you that has spoken kind words to me, thank you. It's made a difference. 
for every one of you that's taken the time out of your life to shake my hand or call me or leave a text message, thank you. It's made a difference. For every one of you that showed up even though there was absolute problems going on in your home, thank you. There's something wonderful that is taking place in the body of Christ when we're truly looking unto Jesus. We're being connected. Amen? Amen. Father, there's none like you. Jesus, you got it right. When you said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. We're wore out, we're tired. We've jumped through all the religious hoops. We memorized all the right verses according to church doctrine, but we're so tired. On our spiritual calculators through the years that we've added everything up and it still comes up zeros if you're not in it. Father, thank you for this group of individuals, these people that love you. And not only do we come in fellowship, but we come in discipleship. We come in agreement and togetherness and unity. We come as a symphony with talents and giftings and likes and dislikes and but we lay them all at rest looking at you. For those that are here this morning that you feel like that your efforts are in vain, you're sitting idle, you're not. The great conductor may not have called you to stand and play with great talent but it doesn't mean that you're not a part. You are. Your laughter and your smiles and your hugs and your generosity, it speaks volumes. But we're being connected. I've had the wonderful privilege in the last 33 years to be connected to you. It's not something that I do on Sunday mornings and you don't hear from me. I so enjoy being connected to you. So Father, I pray that through discipleship in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna learn that you're connecting our hearts together and our minds together, that we're not going our own way. We're learning to be annexed to your divine will and your ways. Would you please speak to our hearts Give us calmness, give us rest as we look into Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. amen. If you love one another and connect with one another, would you just stand and give one another a godly hug? AJ, pick these things up where we have communion people following them for me. My goodness.
God is good. So you can look around and you say, hey, what happened to other people? I don't know. I'm just looking at you. What about those folks that I don't know anything about that, whether I do or not? My focus this morning is I'm just so glad you're here. Communion servers, if you please come. Next week, if you allow me, I'll take you down a, a path of discipleship that hopefully will encourage you. Thank you for your hearts this morning. Thank you for your smiles. It's a symphony. Thank you this morning for the spirit of, of generosity. It, it, it's worship in the eyes of God. Thank you that this church is not called Family Feud. Thank you that it's called a covenant, a fellowship, where we can gather together and worship Christ. Thank you. You're the one that makes it possible. That night, Christ sat with his disciples. And the very last lesson that he gives us in life is at a communion table. That's it. No more miracles. No more rabbits out of the hat. No more anything. The very last lesson in life that we get from our Savior is communion. He took the bread, he lifted up, and he said, this bread represents my body that will be broken for you in a few hours. Your fathers did eat of the bread, the manna from heaven, and yet they hungered. But I am the bread of life, and if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And he said, this cup was the lamb's blood that was celebrated in the first Passover. The blood was taken and placed in the shape of a cross over the doorpost, and the death angel, the Abaddon, would pass over, and Jesus said, I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, and my Father will take my blood and place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. There's something this morning that connects us, ladies and gentlemen, and it's found in these two sacraments. It's the body of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. And that connects us together. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread, and bless these people. Let us love you and love one another with great passion in Christ's name. Amen.